Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. As is our want, we do want to begin with the setting of the podcast today. This is still mid-May, early May still, and we're still wrestling with the coronavirus the world is. And so we'll start with beginning to pray for the virus, and then the episode, and then we'll begin. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We do bless you, and to thank you for your abundant goodness to us. Your abundant goodness comes to us through the weather, no matter what it is. It's a beautiful day. Through our circumstances, no matter whatever they are, it's a beautiful day. And for everything that you've supplied for us, makes it a beautiful day. And so we thank you for that. We pray that we would focus on what we have in the humility of our hearts and not on what we don't have. We would pray again. We never tire of it. We pray it every day because it's what our world is going through. We would pray your divine work, your common good for mankind, that you would make this virus go away. Or even, Lord, give us a solution as to what to do about it. I pray here and around the world, everywhere, Lord, that you would move on your people, that we would not be the timid ones, afraid of what comes next, because we know eternal life comes next, and that you would help us to do good and to be the lights that we're supposed to be, so that we can proclaim the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do your will, holy God. We would pray quickly, but we understand that sometimes you don't work quickly. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, though, and I do pray that you would work quickly through these episodes, through the prayer podcast, that you would move on your people to pray and to pray more fervently. Heavenly Father, we want prevailing prayer, prayer that comes to you. We can pour out our hearts. We can search for what we need. We can search your word for what we should be needing and praying, and then pray with urgency that your will will be done in our lives first in our purity and in our actions first, then to the rest of the church, and then to the world. Keep your word spreading. We long for the day when every tribe, tongue, and people will have heard the gospel, and you come back. Thank you, Jesus, for our destiny. Thank you for our hope. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Teach us today. Give comfort to our souls, even as we struggle with sin. We repent, and we look to you for the power to become the people we are supposed to be in Christ. We commit this time to you, and we just ask that your power would brood over this, these words, this time, to teach us and to glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your precious and beautiful name. Amen. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Fred, and I'm the host of the podcast. 
God is indeed merciful and gracious and kind, especially to this simple slave, to let me be of at least a little service. From the very first time I read through the Bible, it's been my desire to accomplish God's will in my life. And I do truly thank him every day that I can be of what service I can be. And it's only in his providence and his loving kindness that I have the grace to do the podcast. And it brings my soul satisfaction as well. Not as much as prayer, but it brings it great satisfaction. And I wanted to be encouraging today. We've done these before, and I want to start doing them on a consistent basis again, encouraging our souls. And I wanted to slip this one in because I'm particularly excited about the concept, the idea of it. And if I were to ask you, what is your greatest struggle in the Christian life? Think about that for a few seconds. You probably don't need more than a few seconds. But when you think about that, that in the top five, one of those is going to be expressed by the Apostle Paul, maybe more than one, but especially the one we're going to talk about today. And this, what Paul says, should actually be an encouragement to us all by itself. Because if the most fervent, the most powerful, the smartest apostle, if he witnesses to this struggle, I'm not sure how we would think that we are going to get away from the struggle. But sometimes we do. I have to confess that. Sometimes I have. And in Romans 7, in verse 14 and 15, we read this. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. And I slipped a word in verse 14 that wasn't there. Now I assert again, do we really expect to miss this kind of trouble if Paul had this kind of trouble? And it doesn't make sense, but when we think about it, it makes sense. And that causes us to thank Jesus as well because we know that the struggle is something we can rejoice in. And if you go to verse 25 of the same chapter, Paul's conclusion is this. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. On the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Read carefully that over and over again, and what you'll find is that Paul is thanking Jesus for the struggle. Not that he's becoming perfect, or that he is perfect when he prays this. Not that he's overcome the struggle. He still does things he doesn't understand, and practices things he hates, and doesn't do what he would like to do. But, in that struggle, thanks be to God, that proves you're in the battle. And having faith and knowing that the struggle proves the genuineness of your faith, our faith, that leads directly into Romans 8.1. You should know this if you don't. Memorize it for the encouragement of your heart. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's also true for all believers. There's no condemnation awaiting us in Christ. Quickly, we have a position of righteousness before God, and that's when God looks at us. He sees us through the filter, if you will, of Jesus. We get his righteousness. You'll find that in other parts of the Bible. 
the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his blood shed on our behalf, has given us a righteous position before the Father. We know that that's not true in practice. So the other theological word we look at is sanctification, which is the process by which God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work through our lives to make our practice what we are in position. And we will never become perfect. Paul says, I forget what lies behind and press on to what's ahead. That's our goal. One of my favorite preachers says, it's not our perfection, but the direction that we need to be looking at. In our lives, we should see the progress towards holiness. Sometimes we see spiritual growth, we call that sometimes. And sometimes we see it coming in leaps and bounds. We're amazed by what God is doing and how much we're learning and how different we are than we were even a short time ago. And we have other seasons in our lives when our growth is barely perceptible. And sadly, for a shorter and shorter time period, we may even have some seasons where we go backwards. Our sanctification is actually going backwards. And that is why God gives us trials or discipline, as it says in Hebrews, to get us back on the right track. But for our earthly comfort right now, if we focus on Hebrews 2, 11 and 12, we read this. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing thy praise. And the one Father is God the Father. And the reason he is not ashamed to call us brethren, that he is Jesus, because we are his brethren, born because of his blood shed on our behalf. And at least from this verse, at least in the application, in an application of it, we find the joy of our souls is greatly increased because we know he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are from the Father. So whether you're in a season of great growth or in a season of little growth, you know that comes from God. That comes from the Father. And our sanctification, yours and mine, is one of the jobs God Almighty has taken as his own responsibility. We didn't give it to him. He's doing it for us. He's in charge of our sanctification. And it is he, the Father, who sanctifies and all and only those who experience sanctification are from the Father, from Holy God Himself. Isn't that amazing? And not only can we rest knowing that God's in charge of our sanctification, but because of that, He, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Neither God the Father nor God the Son is ashamed to call us brethren, and the Holy Spirit is not ashamed to dwell in us because he knows that God is in charge of our sanctification and God always accomplishes what he wills. How much hope does that give us? How much comfort, even in the midst of our sins, does that give us? Because we are never going to be free from those sins, ever fully. We confess and we struggle and we pray and we move ahead and God leads us to our lives to that sanctification, to our lives changing. You know, if you've listened to the early parts of the podcast, that I was in corporate training for a time. I loved it. In the last position I had, when my agents came in to be trained, I called them agents right from the start. 
because that's what they were. That's what they would become. They were that to me because I knew they would become that. Most of them didn't come into training as agents, but I knew I had confidence that we were going to get there. And it was kind of fun for me. It was really fun for me. On the very first day of training, I outlined the whole three weeks, well, five weeks that we would have, three weeks in the classroom. And I outlined it all. And I emphasized to them that at the end of week one, they would begin to realize how much they didn't know and how much they would need to know to be the agent that they wanted to be. And at that point, they would panic. To some degree or another, they would panic. And then I would tell them, I would go on to say, about the middle of the next week, I would panic. I would look at how much was left, what we had to do, where we had been so far, and I would begin to panic. But I did that to encourage them, because I had done that before, I had trained before. And we would get done on time, every time, no matter what the challenges were, equipment, software, whatever it was, we would get through and they would be equipped to do those jobs. And that just came to my mind as I thought about this and meditate on this passage. For our souls, this passage is God through his word telling us he's in charge of our training, our sanctification, and we are in the best hands possible. And you may be asking how I know that. Give me just a couple minutes and I'll tell you. But first, just like my agents, they had to make an effort, right? The training was there. I would make my effort and they had to make their effort. In our Christian life, it's a little more complicated than that. But again, we hear from Paul in Galatians say, For through the law I died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Thank you, Paul, for that clarity. It is a little murky, isn't it? Because we live our Christian life and Christ lives our Christian life through us. And if Paul couldn't explain it any better, I'm very sure you don't expect me to explain it any better. It's one of those things we know by faith we experience it. Christ is living our lives with us. The Holy Spirit's leading us. And yet, as we live in the flesh by faith, we try to do what God wants us to do. And the bottom line is, though, back to Hebrews, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. God's not going to fail you or I. And even in our sin, as we repent and look to him, we know he's in the process of sanctification. And in fact, I have a quote that I'm going to use more than once in the next few weeks. And it's from A.W. Tozer. And he says this, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. It's a great quote, and it's a comfort on two levels. One, we know in our sins that he's working to cleanse them. And two, we know that everything happens for a reason. So there are things that we shouldn't, well, I wouldn't say shouldn't, that we don't need to worry about especially comparing ourselves in the world, because we know where we're headed. And this doctrine that God is in charge of our sanctification brings rejoicing to our souls. My heart is strengthened in confidence. I love it. That's why I wanted to do, to do this one right now. 
knowing that I can trust God for my journey. Even living through his discipline, the discipline of the Lord, because my life will be more and more conformed to his desire for me. And those promises are yours too. That's why I wanted to encourage you today. God is working even in your sins. Romans 8, 29. You thought I was going to say 8, 28, but I didn't. Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he, that's Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. There we are again, brethren of Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. We have been called, brothers and sisters, and in his calling, his predestined calling, by the way, in his calling, he's justified us already, and we will be glorified in heaven because of his work, because of his sanctification. And again, he doesn't fail. Now, you might be asking, how can you have such confidence? It may seem to you that there's a lot of room, but I'm glad you asked me that. So, turn to Romans 14, or listen, and then turn. Romans 14, 4. And this is in the context of eating meat sacrificed to idols, which some Christians can do and some Christians can't do. So, in the area of conscience is the, the broader theme of this section. But Paul says there, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And I can't tell you how much joy that brings to me, because first, Jesus is going to make me stand one way or another, even if he's got to send me through discipline, he's going to make me stand. And then I don't have to push everybody around so that they do what I think they ought to do. They're gods. He's going to make them stand too, most likely in a different way, but he's going to make them stand. The God who loves you, the God who loves us, is able to make us stand. And in everything left to conscience, we need to follow our conscience, trusting him, and let others follow their own convictions. But that's not all. Stealing a line from those commercials. Philippians 2, Paul says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. You imagine he's not going to accomplish his good pleasure? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. We've read this before too. It's a great passage. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Now you know why I have confidence that he's working, confidence that he's working in your life and in mine, in our sanctification. First, because he says he's going to take that responsibility. And then, because Paul and the writer of Hebrews assert over and over again that he is going to accomplish his work in us. What blessed joy and encouragement 
Even in your sin, he's going to make you stand. Even in my sin, he makes me stand. Prayerfully, your inner man is already encouraged. Prayerfully, this might become one of those episodes that people go back to over and over again because we can be assured once again, even in our sins and our struggles, holiness in this Christian life, the lack of it, doesn't need to be a hindrance to our prayers. He is still calling you. He knows our frame. Remember Psalm 104? He knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. And he's in charge of your sanctification and my sanctification. If at any point in time in my training I was disappointed in an agent, I didn't stop. I didn't give up on them because I knew what they were going to accomplish. And he does the same for us. He knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our fears. And even now, he is superseding every good thing that we look at as good that comes through our lives and every piece of discipline, all to make us more like Jesus, which means sanctified or more sanctified. And in that process, he is never ashamed to call you brethren. Isn't that great? Our souls desire God's work in our lives, our inner man, and our final haven of rest. We desire that maybe most of all. And we know by faith that the process will produce a weight of glory far beyond all comparison, our eternal home with the Father who planned our salvation, the Son who sacrificed for our salvation, and the Holy Spirit who leads us all into truth, all working in unison for our sanctification and never being ashamed to call us brethren. To him be the glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his glorious face to shine upon you, giving you the peace that comes in knowing that he is going to accomplish his will in your life, even in the midst of your sin. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.